0: Shalom and welcome to this week's lecture. The title is, which came first, the olive or the oil? And the subtitle, choosing the olive you want to be. So let's start with our modern day issue as we always do. And uh, today's modern day issue is self-sabotaging or digging deeper within. That's the question. So when we pull back from sharing and engaging, one of two things can be happening. There's a reason why. There's always a reason, either emotional, intellectual, but there's always a reason to what we do. Now, the question is, why would we be pulling back from sharing and engaging? One reason could be we are self-sabotaging, pushing others away, and denying ourselves our very own calling. Or a second option is we have turned inwards. Digging deeper within ourselves, searching for more to share and more to evolve into. Now, the two have the same outwardly appearance of pulling back, withholding, and isolating. And nevertheless, they are, in essence, polar opposites. One is taking us deep into deeper growth and greater engagements with others, while the other is robbing us and others of who we are. And why we are here on earth. How are we to know which which one truly drives us in holding back and isolating? The obvious answer is to sit and wait to see what it leads us to greater engagement or greater isolation. The deeper way of knowing is to be able to hear where the isolation and withholding is coming from our ego animalistic soul or from our selfless, godly soul? And thus, is the olive developing and bringing us the oil, or is the olive holding back the oil, and needs to be crushed in order to get it out of the way of the oil? This lecture is based primarily on a Mimer mystical teaching of the Rebbe, delivered on this Shabbos in 1965, exploring the opening commandment of our Torah portion, and I quote, And you shall command the children of Israel, and they shall take to you pure olive oil, crushed for lighting, to kindle the lamps continually. Okay, so that's what we're going to discuss here, find out what's holding back. Are we self-sabotaging, or are we digging deeper for greater growth? An introduction is necessary. Now there is an argument on understanding one of the details of the commandment of bringing pure olive oil to the holy temple for kindling the menorah. In Hebrew, the adjectives always come after the noun. For example, in Hebrew, one says bird nice, tzipor yafe, and not a nice bird, yafe tzipor. Thus, the literal verse states in Hebrew, oil, olive, pure. Now the question here is, why is there an argument over this? The question here is whether the verse is telling us that we are to bring pure olive oil, meaning that the oil needs to be pure, or whether we are to read the verse that we are commanded to bring oil from pure olives, which weren't eaten or decomposing. Which are we commanded to make sure is pure? The olive Oil. There's a dispute. Now the commentaries argue, and each bring proof to their opinions. Rashi, famous, famous classic commentator of the 11th century from France, Rabbi Shlomo Yitzhaki, he is of the opinion that the oil is what needs to be pure, not the olives. The oil has to be without sediments. The Ibn Ezra, who's Rabbi Avrom ben Meir Ibn Ezra is of the opinion that it is the olive that needs to be whole, not partially decomposed or eaten. On a mystical level, what are they arguing about? Next introduction, two questions on the opening two verses of our Torah portion. What are the two questions? So, first let's look at the verse. I'm going to quote you verse number one. And you shall command the children of Israel, and they shall take to you, you means Moses, Pure olive oil crushed for lighting to kindle the lamps continually. Verse number two. In the tent of meeting, the Mishkan, the tabernacle, outside the dividing curtain that is in front of the testimony Aram and his son I'm sorry, testimony Aaron and his sons shall set it up before the Lord from evening to morning. It shall be an everlasting statute for the generations for the children of Israel. Now, the two questions here are, number one, why should they take the oil to Moses if verse number two tells us that Aaron will be kindling the menorah? For example, right after this little portion about the oil, the olive oil for the menorah, it goes on to list what materials we need to create the garments for the high priest and the holy priest. And I want to tell you what the verse says there. They, which means the tailors and the weavers, shall take the gold, the blue, purple, and crimson wool, and the linen. They're the ones to make it. They're the ones who get it. So why over here, if it's Aaron who's going to kindle the menorah, why does the olive oil go to Moses? Question number two, you may have noticed an outright dichotomy between the two verses. The first verse says that the lambs will be kindled Continually meaning that they're never to go out. Keep on feeding oil that they never go out. The second verse says, from evening to morning. Contradiction between the two verses. Was the menorah kindled? Was it illuminating only from evening to morning? Or was it 24-7? Okay, and now let's start the lecture. As you know, you're familiar with this uh, platform already. Um, After I do the modern day issue and I do some introduction, I then list The mystical Kabbalistic concepts we're going to touch upon, explain them one by one, and then we wrap it up. So here's the list number one, olive number one, the animalistic soul and the body, number two, the oil, number three, olive number two, the supernal crown, number four, the first drop, number five, Moses takes the oil, and then lastly, Moses' continually, and Aaron's from evening to morning. And now, my dear friends, let the amazement of Hasidus begin. So, number one, we're going to talk about the olive number one, which is the animalistic soul and the body. Now, the deeper secret between the two opinions that I quoted earlier, Rashi who says it's the oil that needs to be pure, the Ibn Ezra who says it's the olive that needs to be pure, So really what they're arguing about is which olive they are talking about. There is the olive that is lower than the oil and there is the olive that is higher than the oil, mystically speaking. Now, the olive which is lower than the oil is based on the teaching of the Zohar. The Zohar says, and it's in volume three, and I quote to you, just as a log that does not catch on fire splinter it, so too a body that does not catch on fire from the soul insult means crush it now this doesn't mean god forbid to crush the physical body and hurt ourselves actually we're taught in the teachings of Chasidis from the great rabbi Behr of mazrich the Magid, he said a small hole in the body is a big hole in the soul we don't harm our bodies so what does it mean it means the arrogance the ego the ego and arrogant self-centeredness, the narcissy of the animalistic soul and the body which conceals and blocks the flow and the illumination of the oil of the godly soul. That ego, that self-centeredness has to be crushed in order for the selflessness of the soul to illuminate our will, our intellect, our emotions, our thoughts, speech, and actions. This is why our sages say concerning this olive the lower olive the ego olive that the Talmud says that olives are bitter and another teaching from the olive from the Talmud which is quite interesting it says that eating olives can cause one to forget 70 years of Torah study you'll soon see what we do and how we eat olives today but the reason for this is Because we're talking about the lower olive, the ego olive, the olive that comes from the other side of impurity. And thus, it creates forgetfulness. And thus, it creates bitterness and darkness. That needs to be crushed. Now, the question we should ask here is, that if the olive, the verse tells us we have to crush it in order to produce the oil, then why do we need to make sure that the olives are pure olives? We're anyway going to crush it. The interesting answer is that, yes, there are certain arrogant traits that we can crush and then it can produce. However, there is this one real negative trait, which we're going to read about in the second Torah of tomorrow, the Shabbat Zachor, the Shabbat before Purim, we read the story of Amalek. Amalek is known as ugly chutzpah. That can't be used even after being crushed. That ugly arrogance that I'm going to stand up to anyone and everyone and get into their face for no reason, that can't even be crushed. It needs to be removed completely. Thus the Ibn Ezra says, before you can start working, crushing, refining, humbling your arrogance of the Eve, our arrogance of the animalistic soul and the body, we need to first make sure that we remove any decomposition. The olive has to be pure. What does it mean pure? It means pure from ugly chutzpah, arrogance. Then, what's left, the good olive, can then be crushed and produce oil. Now, let us now, before we go on to discuss Rashi's opinion about the oil being pure from sediments, let's talk about the oil for a moment. So, we spoke about the lower olive, which is the narcissy and the self centeredness that wants to hold back and not allow the selflessness of the oil of the soul to affect us. We want to remain self-centered, want what we want and when we want it. Now let's talk about what does the oil mean on a Kabbalistic level. Now here's an interesting thing. The oil in Kabbalah, it refers to the highest of the emanations faculties of our godly soul. Now, you know from previous classes that God created the finite world from the infinite light by having a transformer evolution system of ten emanations, three intellects, seven emotions. This then was reflected when God said, Let us make mankind in our image and likeness, that our soul has also ten faculties, which reflect the ten emanations. There's the three intellects and the seven emotions. The highest of all is in the emanation of wisdom. Now within the emanation of wisdom, which is total transparency to divinity, there is the revealed faculty of wisdom, which is more finite, and then there is the hidden faculty of wisdom, which is called Chachma Stama'a. That is the absolute transparency to the infinite light of divinity. The oil represents that. And that's why the oil always surfaces to the top. Now, what we see here is that the oil of our souls, and by the way, I told you I would tell you the secret of how we eat olives. Our sages say that olives have a sweetness, and olives brings back from the forgetfulness, the olive oil, I'm so sorry, the oil, olive oil has a sweetness, and the olive oil brings back, because it's total transparency and holiness, it brings back up to 70 years of Torah study, which went into forgetfulness. It brings it back, which by the way, note, till this very day, it's our custom when we eat olives, like for example, you have those dried black olives, Always make sure to pour olive oil on it. There should be olive oil which will counter the olive. Thus, while the olive from the other side, impurity, will have the effect of forgetfulness, the olive oil from the side of transparency and holiness will bring it back. That's how we eat olives today. We're careful to put some olive oil on it. Be it as it may, what we see here is that the olive oil is the highest illumination of all emanations of the soul. Now we can understand the second interpretation of the olive now let's talk about rashi in the second interpretation we're not talking about the lower olive, which is the self centeredness of the animalistic soul and of the arrogance of the body the these i i i the capital i but rather we're talking about the higher olive of the oil, and what that means is we're not talking about the olive as it blocks the illumination of the oil. We're talking about the olive, which is the source of the oil, olive oil. Now, if we say it's the source of the olive oil, it's got to be higher than the olive oil. Thus, we're talking about the highest level, even that which is above and beyond the ultimate emanation faculty of our soul. What is that? That is the supernal crown. Now, the question is, how does it work that in the spiritual level we have the olive representing the supernal crown, we'll soon talk about that, and then on the other level it's representing the lowest? It's very simple. There is a teaching, and the teaching tells us all that is higher, higher, falls lower, lower. That's a Kabbalistic mystical teaching. And It also says in the Pardis, very famous Kabbalah book, it says something very interesting. That which falls here the lowest to become the foundation is above the highest from which all comes. Thus, in essence, the highest falls the lowest. So too with the olive. The olive which is the source of the olive oil falls here below to be the olive which blocks the illumination and the flow of the olive oil. Now, we have to understand, however, we just said that the olive is higher than the oil. Then why, let's go back to that teaching about the olive having a bitterness. Why would we talk about a bitterness which Kabbalistically means darkness? If it's higher than the oil, it's the source of the oil, it's the source of all light, then how can we refer to it as bitter slash darkness? The answer is, and it comes from a verse in Psalm chapter 18. He made darkness his hiding place about him as his booth. Now, this dimension, as we said, refers to the supernal crown. What does the supernal crown mean? It is above and beyond the emanation of wisdom. It is beyond any emanation. Now here is a Kabbalistic rule. If one can reveal, express, then it has to have a finite form and shape. Thus, when we talk about the supernal crown being darkness, when we talk about God choosing darkness as His booth, we're not talking about the negative absence of light, we're talking about the transcending essence which defies any finite form of illumination and description. Thus, the darkness here is in the negativity of darkness. It refers to the nothingness. When we talk in Kabbalah and we refer to God as nothing, ex nihilo, something from nothing, that means we're referring to God as nothing. We're not referring, it, God forbid, to the negative nothingness. We're referring it to the nothingness which transcends beyond any specific finite properties that we define as a something. So to this darkness isn't the negativity absence of light. It actually is that which defies any capacity of illumination. It transcends into the ultimate infinity, which allows not for any finite expression. Thus, it's darkness. Now, we can understand the opinion of Rashi that the commandment of purity refers to the oil, not the olive, that it should not have sediments in it, rather than it referring to the olive. For concerning the olive, we have no concerns of impurity, being that exists only in the realm of holiness. However, with no connection to the nether worlds of impurity, it is in darkness. If there's no illumination, There's no shine outwards, downwards. There's no connection with the world and its impurities. However, the oil, even though it itself is pure and in the realm of holiness, the emanation of wisdom, however, being that it illuminates into and thus can be affected by the nether worlds of impurity, we need to make sure that it is pure and cleaned from sediments. We should note here that what sediments are we talking about? The sediments within olive oil are not foreign objects, only that it is coarse pieces within holiness itself. Now that can, through the descent and contact with impurity, become impure itself. Thus Rashi tells us, we're reaching into the highest levels, We're taking from the highest essence level, the supernal crown, and we're bringing forth a ray of wisdom, purity, illumination, transparency, selflessness. However, be careful, because even with holiness, if it's about to descend into the world of impurity and get connected and engaged with the world of impurity, make sure that there's no coarse pieces of holiness within the holiness so that it doesn't evolve and get captured into the other side of impurity. Thus Rashi tells us, don't worry about the olive, worry about the oil. Now, with this we can understand another detail in Rashi's opinion. Now I'm going to quote to you the Rashi on our verse when it says to crush the olive oil, the olive to get the oil. And here's what he says. He quotes the words crushed, and he says, He must crush the olives in a mortar, but he may not grind them in a mill, so that they will not contain sediment. After he has exa- exact extracted the first drop of oil, he places them, the olives, into a mill and grinds them. The resulting second oil is unfit for the menorah, What is fit for the meal offerings? As it is said, crushed for lighting, but not crushed for meal offerings. So it has to be crushed and not grinded. The first crush, that oil is used for the menorah. Then take those pieces of crushed olives, put it into a mill, and you'll be able to produce oil that's needed for the offerings, the meal offerings that is mixed with flour and water. Now, here's a question. What does Rashi mean that only the first drop is permitted for the menorah? It isn't so. It isn't just the first drop. It's all the drops that come out from the first crush in the mortar. However, Rashi is following the mystical opinion concerning the olive being the supernal crown from which the emanation of wisdom comes forth and therefore he uses the words first drop but he doesn't mean the first drop in quantity. He's talking about in quality. For actually, in quantity, you use all the drops that come from the crush. Now, let's see what this means. In Kabbalah and Hasidus, when we speak of the transmission from the masculine emanations to the feminine emanations, we speak of the transmission of the drop. Now, within the evolution structure of the 10 emanations, There are two such transmissions from masculine emanations to feminine feminine emanations. Now, when we talk about the seven emotions, we divide them into two categories. There's the six predatory masculine emotions, and then there's the feminine mystique, the seventh emotion, which is called kingship. Now, the masculine six, Emanations have emotion emanations have to transmit to the feminine emanate emotion emanation. That's the second drop. Then we talk about the first drop. In Kabbalah, we refer to wisdom as the father and understanding as the mother. And there has to be a transmission from the masculine to the feminine. That's called the first drop. What Rashi is telling us when we talk about the oil that comes from the supernal crown that's used for the illumination of the holy temple and from there shining out to illuminate the entire world. We must be careful that it comes from the higher first trap. Now I want to just pause for a moment, not on my notes, but I want to just explain this. When we talk about selflessness, The selflessness of intellect is greater than the selflessness of emotions. Thus, the seven seven emotion emanations are called small faces, while the wisdom and understanding are called the giants. So we need to make sure that we work on ourselves to have such transparency and such humility when we're going to illuminate that it shouldn't be the more, I want to use the word ego, but the more identity-driven emotions and make sure that it comes from the more selfless first drop of the transparency of emanation of wisdom. Thus, Rashi again follows his opinion, being that we're talking about what comes from the higher olive the supernal crown, into the total transparency and humility of the emanation of wisdom, that's where you take the first drop from and make sure it's pure so when it descends and engages in the outside world, we do not get caught up and dirtied by impurity. Now, let's go back to our questions. Now we understand what's going on here. Why does Moses take the oil if it's Aaron who needs to kindle, use the oil to kindle the menorah? So, we said that according to Rashi, the opinion that the olive refers to the highest of high, the supernal crown and the darkness of, I quoted a verse for you from Psalms chapter 18, he made darkness his hiding place about him as his booth, which is total transcendence and purity. Total holiness. Now we have to ask a question. According to Rashi's opinion, that the olive refers to the essence, darkness, holiness, purity, why does the verse tell us to crush it? According to the second opinion, that the olive is talking about the arrogance and self-centeredness of the animalistic soul and the body, which doesn't want the holy selflessness of the soul, the oil, to affect our thoughts, speech, and actions. Okay, we need to crush that. But why would we crush the absolute holiness of darkness, the essence of darkness? Now, to understand this, let's understand that this will also answer why we bring the olives, the oil, to Moses and not to Aaron. Now, crushing, we explained earlier, is self nullification. Now, in the first level of this self nullification, we explained that it is iskafia. I don't want to talk about what iskafia means. Iskafia is the process of subduing the arrogance of our ego. Iskafia literally means to hold back, to bend over. You want to do this, don't do it. You don't want to do what you're supposed to do, do it anyway. Iskafia. Now, after this first crushing of the lower olive of impurity through Askafia, there is a second, far more refined crushing that needs to take place. This is the process of Teshuvah. Now, let's talk about this. Normally, when you and I use the word Teshuvah, we're talking about repentance from sins. However, why would we be talking about Teshuvah? of the higher level. We're talking about the righteous. We're talking about a Moses caliber. Why would Moses ever have to do Teshuvah? Therefore, I want to share with you that there's a second dimension of Teshuvah, which has nothing what to do with sin. Actually, our sages state, and I quote to you, that Mashiach will bring the righteous ones the experience of Teshuvah. Why would Mashiach do that? Why do the righteous ones need teshuvah? Now, the answer is that this teshuva, as I told you, has nothing what to do with the sins. Rather, it comes from a verse of King Solomon in Ecclesiastes. that says as follows, And the Spirit returns to God who gave it. What does that mean? What that means is that the soul, once it was given from God, And it begins to descend, even if we're talking about the soul of the holiest tzaddik, Moses. And we're talking about the soul in its absolute purity. However, the minute it is given by God, it's no more within the bosom of God. It has its own form and shape. Oh yes, the soul of a tzaddik is of the holiest, most transparent, absolute selfless form and shape, but it's a form and shape. And thus ultimately, ultimately, even the tzaddik has to go through a crushing in the sense of returning to the God who gave the soul, meaning that it has to now let go total self annulment in order to not have any form and shape, not even the holy form of Moses. And what is that? That is the total lack of any satisfaction, of any self-refinement accomplishments, yearning to be but within the essence nothingness of God. Thus even we're talking about the holy Aleph. We're talking about the holy dimension of the most saintly and righteous people. Moses, who spoke to God face to face. But nevertheless, Moses was Moses with the, fi- with the finite form and shape of ultimate purity and holiness. But he was the finite shape of Moses. And thus, ultimately, when we talk about the essence of God from where the soul comes from, even this form and shape is a hindrance. And therefore, we need to have a second annulment, which Mashiach will bring to the righteous where there will be no self at all. There will be nothing but the yearning and oneness with the nothingness of God. Now, this level of crushing into the essence of nothingness, we're not talking about arrogance, we're not talking about sin, God forbid. We're talking about the ultimate crushing of even the most saintly into the nothingness of the essence of God can be done only by Moses. And therefore, before Aaron can use the oil to illuminate the menorah, it must first be brought to Moses. So now we understand question number one. Why was the oil brought to Moses? Because ultimately, even though each and every one of us performed the crush of the lower Aleph, it takes Moses to perform the crush of the higher Aleph so that even a spiritual finite form and shape will not get in the way of the absolute oneness, illumination of the nothingness essence of God. Now let's talk about the second question. Why does the first verse say that the menorah is kindled continually, while the second verse says from evening to morning? Now we understand. With this, we can now also understand why in the first verse in which we are speaking of bringing the oil to Moses to experience the ultimate crush of absolute self-knowification, the verse speaks of the illumination being continual, meaning eternal, with no difference or impact of any external changes. Night, day, spiritual, physical. We're talking about the essence, darkness, nothingness. That is eternal. Then we have the second verse, when we speak of Aaron using the oil to illuminate the menorah in our world, which is a descent into the lower realm than Moses' absoluteness. Here we speak of the illumination being affected, and therefore to kindle only from morning to evening. Not from evening to morning. And now that we understand this, what does this mean to us? Let's talk about our isolation. So, in closing, there is a time for the olive. In closing, while our isolation is receiving a bad rap in psychology, nevertheless, there is a time for the olive. Not the negative olive of ego and self sabotage, rather, the olive of turning inwards and upwards to receive and to grow. Yes, the purpose is to share and illuminate the outside and the below. But without continuous growth, we aren't sharing the illumination to our best capacity. A great Hasidic mentor, I know him personally, he lives in Israel, his name is Rabbi Zalman guppen He shared once that in a private audience with the Rebbe, he asked the Rebbe about his moments of melancholy. Now, if you read the Rebbe's teachings and you know stories of the Rebbe, the Rebbe is well known to have little tolerance of melancholy. There was another person, his name was Rabbi Hecht, and there was a bridge that he had to drive over from his place where he was to come to New York and visit the Rebbe. And when he came to a private audience, the Rebbe told him, on your way to me, before you reach me, make sure to throw your melancholy over the bridge on the way here. Don't bring your melancholy to me. The Rebbe would guide Hasidim and talk consistently that replaced melancholy for joy. However, here's what happened with this Rabbi Zalman Gopin. This Rabbi Zalman Gopin was told by the Rebbe, rather than throw it away and get rid of it and fight it, the Rebbe went on to explain that this melancholy allows for studiousness and should be used to study Torah. In other words, there is a time for the oil to be hidden within the higher olive, never stuck in the lower olive, but from time to time to grow and purify itself in the higher Aleph. Well, how do we know which Aleph we are hiding in? The lower or the higher? I don't want to engage now, but why don't I want to engage? Is it because I'm self-sabotaging, lonely, sad? Or is it because I want to be more studious and grow and then bring that to my engagements? The surest way to see what we are is to see what we are doing while we're in the olive. When we're being alone, are we studying, evolving, and growing, or are we just hiding and sulking? That's the litmus test. So be in the right olive, enrich your oil, and illuminate the world. Thank you.